You are listening to Inclusion Evolution, a bi-weekly podcast that brings you insightful and engaging conversations on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession, the technology space, the world of sports, and our everyday. Here are your hosts, Lisa Mueller and Michael Kasdan. Welcome back to Inclusion Evolution. I'm Lisa Mueller. And I'm Michael Kasdan. Well, Mike, I'm sorry to say summer's coming to an end. The kids are all back in school. But the good news is we're back with another episode. I'm all about emphasizing the good. And it's exciting to see folks back to school, even though it is always sad to have the summer end and it always goes too fast. But I'm so glad that we have a really terrific guest who has joined us today, John McGinty. And his work in inclusion focuses on the deaf community. Uh, John's the founder of Cygnus Global, uh, which works in the tech industry to help companies with inclusion and accessibility, uh, including helping companies to hire and integrate valuable members of the deaf community into their workplaces across a lot of different industries. Uh, We're also joined uh, by Rory Burton, who's an ASL interpreter, working with John for today's podcast, and we thank them both for joining us today. Um, Welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really thrilled to be here and to impart on this discussion with you. Awesome. So John Patrick McGinty, uh, who's a member of the deaf community himself, founded Cygnus Global in 2023. Um, he has a master's in performing arts administration from NYU, also one of my alma maters, and he's a professional actor. Um, he spent the last 15 years with the Actors' Equity Association. Um, I know that John's mission and the mission of Cygnus Global is driven by his passion for empowering the deaf and hard of hearing community worldwide and that as a deaf-led boutique global agency, its offerings are designed to foster inclusivity and break down barriers across various industries. We're going to talk a lot more about that today, um, but I'd love to jump in. I think Lisa's got the first question just, just to jump right in with you, John. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, John, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today and a, a big welcome to you, both you and Uh, Rory. And I wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about your background. Can you tell us your personal background as well as your story? Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for having me here. And I actually was born and raised in a very hearing family, a very loving and supportive family. My journey as a deaf individual has really been supported by them. From their perspective being, you know, having me born into this family as a deaf individual, we were able to work together and figure out the best way to partner my mom and dad, my sister, my brother, and myself, and to figure out my journey. And so I'm very fortunate that I actually had a great experience from birth all the way through now, my journey as it relates to education as well. I started off with a bilingual communication approach, which means signing and speaking at the same time. And then I switched over to only using spoken language. And so that was all deaf kids learning how to speak. And then I went to a private school where I was the only deaf individual there. There was no support services for me. There were no note takers. Everything was up to me to figure out. And that really impacted my education to the point that I became very behind. I had to repeat the fourth grade um, because of not having access, not having communication, being the only deaf one and not having that support for myself. So I ended up switching over then to go to the residential school for the deaf in Massachusetts. 
I do need to add that I grew up in Ohio, so I'm a Midwesterner. That's always in my heart. And so at that point, I moved to Massachusetts. I lived there in four years, went to the residential school, and they focused on speaking and listening there. And that school only went up to ninth grade. And so that place really had become home to me because we were all deaf there. Everyone was the same. We understood each other, how we felt. We didn't have to explain to one another who we were and how we worked and how we operated. So I ended up going back home at that point. Um, after ninth grade and was mainstreamed for high school, the only deaf kid. And I had an oral interpreter. So keep in mind that I mentioned that I learned sign it as a young person, but then I grew up and then the signing stopped. So there was that lack of continuing learning sign language. So there was a missing part of my language and my acquisition of language. So I had an oral interpreter. Can you imagine sitting in front of someone for eight hours all day, focusing on their lips for chemistry, for calculus, for biology, trying to figure out all these words that look very much the same. So the oral interpreter said, hey, let's start with some signing. Mm -hmm. So, and then I started college and was able to go from there. So my point is what my contribution to the world to this day is a desire to open doors and to break down barriers. Because keep in mind, What's important for everyone who's listening to remember is that today and five years from now are going to be completely different things. As we look back at the past, that's a completely different frame of reference, a frame of mind, a generational difference. And so we want to have a positive impact on tomorrow. And so that starts with what we're doing today. Yeah, thank you for that. That's incredible to hear. Um, And, you know, my next question was going to be, you know, what led you to focus on inclusion work for the deaf community and to start Cygnus Global. Um, but I think just from listening to that story, so much of it, of it seems like it must have been motivated by your own experience. And having that experience, you know, both as a member of a fully supported, you know, community, but also the experience of being, you know, the only, you know, Deaf, deaf, deaf person in an institution, and so could you talk a little bit about how you got from there to to where you are today in terms of the motivation? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So, two of the huge things that I want to mention are that we live in a very audio centric society where the majority perspective, most of the things that happen, rely on our sound. It's a very strong hearing ableist. Whereas I'm a minority as a deaf individual, I'm the one who has to fight to accomplish things. So Mm -hmm. I myself, I really try to step out and try to reframe my experience and change my perception of things. And this kind of industry, the service providing industry, for example, with interpreters, providing caption as the Sinus Global does, that's hearing people who are always offering that service out in the mainstream. So I thought, what about providing an authentic experience, which would be in this case from a deaf person's experience? We're the receivers of the services often. And so providing it from our perspective based off of what we need and what we experience. So I love, one of the things I really love about doing this is meeting so many different people, hearing, not assuming what their understanding of the deaf and hard of hearing community is, but instead loving to call them in instead of calling people out. You've done this and you're not doing that. Reframing that, calling them in, giving them the opportunity to learn from our perspective because that's a more healthy approach. It's healthier for all of us to have that 
deep, enriched conversation to make those connections. And that's what people in the deaf and hard of hearing community really, really strive for and really thirst for those authentic connections. So in the future, I would love to see young deaf and hard of hearing people taking ownership of their experience, running businesses, doing things. Why can't deaf people provide their authenticity to the services that we typically use? For example, you know, there's no reason for us to wait to do that. We can do it right now and into the future. I love that. Um, and I realized, I think I was probably pronouncing um, sinus global. I was saying Cygnus global, but sinus global um, probably makes more sense. Um, so I apologize for that. But transitioning to um, to the company that you founded, can you explain a little bit about the mission and approach and how that fits in with kind of the world that you just articulated you'd like to see? Sure. Thanks, Mike, for that question. So Sinus Global, um, one of the first reasons that I even came up with that name, Sinus, which is spelled S-I-G-N-E-S. And yes, you are correct in your corrected pronunciation because that's a French word that translates to signs in, um, in English. And so I don't know if you're aware but every country around the world has its own sign language. It's not a universal sign language, just as there's not the universal spoken language. Sign language is developed separately. And we, in American Sign Language, have a basis in French Sign Language. That's where American Sign Language is one of the influences. So I wanted to provide multiple perspectives, a global perspective, not just based on here in America. And what really inspired me is that I grew up and I worked for many different industries, the entertainment industry, the financial industry, the medical industry. And I've worked with many different services provided by many different companies and the variety that lies therein. So sometimes I had amazing experiences. Sometimes I had experiences that didn't really fit my needs, that did not really match my knowledge and my experience, that People with people and companies who didn't really listen to the community, that didn't have empathy and understanding of us. And so I wanted to bring opportunities to augment those experiences to match the needs of the deaf community. As a deaf individual, I'm able to listen to the tough conversations that need to be had and encourage those and open doors to improvement. So sometimes it's just as basically as asking, what is the foundation? What do you have for deaf and hard of hearing people? What do you offer? How can we augment those experiences? What can we add to enrich and to support those experiences and services so that deaf and hard of hearing people have a, a variety of things that they can access? Deaf folks are not a monolith. We don't all have the same experiences, language, education, et cetera. So it's oftentimes up to us to provide that education to the hearing community so that they become aware via workshops, via trainings. And so we offer hourly workshops and trainings based on what the companies are envisioning, what their needs are, where they've uh, noted that there are gaps. Sometimes it's interpreters that we're providing for huge events. Sometimes it's interpreters for like job interviews for people who are potentially being hired. Sometimes it's captioning uh, for people who don't necessarily feel that ASL is their strong point or whatever the sign language of that country or community is. So whatever their company already has, we're able to augment that and expand their services. And that can be for benefit of both the deaf and the hearing people who are involved. And so we 
as a global boutique agency, we are able to impact future generations. Because the point is, I want to see younger generations experiencing what I'm now experiencing as an older individual. They should be experiencing that at a younger age. We don't want to pass on our burdens. We want to pass on our successes and move up from there. And I just wanted to ask, you know, first of all, John, I'm really impressed given your story that, you know, uh, you stuck with school. A lot of kids would have gotten extremely frustrated and and dropped out, found, you know, a lot of excuses to drop out. Um, and you've been talking about the, the deaf and the hard of hearing community, but I'm also wondering in terms of uh, the services your company provides, there are people who maybe can't speak or I have a niece with Down syndrome who has very bad aphasia. So she can speak some words, but she also does sign. Um, is that those individuals also included in the, the groups of individuals that your company can assist with and help provide services for? Absolutely. Because you brought up a, a point of education. I think it's important to add that what my hope is for the future, especially in terms of deaf schools and deaf education, all over the country, there are deaf kids who are being taught and educated by hearing people. And so that provides a modicum of not really empathetic understanding of one another because the world is dominated by hearing people. So we want to give deaf people the options. We want to provide opportunities, provide support for their language from people who look and operate through the world just like them. And I agree that, yes, for example, I went to the School for the Deaf. I mentioned that I took uh, I had to do fourth grade twice. I suffered so much embarrassment. I endured so much shame. Oh my gosh, my peers are better than me. My self-esteem really went down and I really had to change my perspective to be able to operate. So yes, it is amazing that I was still able to go through and, and had this, the support to be able to overcome and to change those weaknesses that I have into strengths. And so that's how I've become who I am to this day, and I do want to carry it forward. Now you're mentioning your niece. So yes, if your niece or anybody uses ASL or assigned language, it's important to stick with that. It is a language. It's not something less than a spoken language. And so that's something that needs to be carried on both at home and school as well. And we do provide services for that. Um, and so we can, um, I'm not interested in just providing services in the industries that we serve and leaving it at that. We want to be, be able to provide a safe and warm welcome for people wherever they are. That spans from being at home to being on the job to being at school. We want people to be able to breathe and experience communication and access and whatever that looks like. So, and, and John, I wanted to go back to your business a little bit and talk a little bit more about that because obviously you must have encountered barriers both not only in your business, but um, during the course of your education as well. What can we do to move to be more inclusive in terms of providing equal opportunity? You're doing it right now. Look at you. <laughs> but I would also say that the answer to the how question is that it's about creating spaces. And again, with many industries, big or small, they have the DEI teams, the diversity, equity, and inclusion that they're focusing on. I'm able to come in and really address that because in my mind, DEI, those teams should be aware of how the deaf and hard of hearing community can be included in that. 
by shifting their perspective, by shifting their frame, by offering conversations. DEI includes disability. DEI includes communication differences. And that includes the deaf and hard of hearing community. Believe it or not, there are so, so many, so many wonderful deaf and hard of hearing people who are actually looking for jobs, but it is so hard to find those jobs. Deaf and hard of hearing folks with degrees, with masters and, and PhDs, with skills and experience. They Deaf and hard of hearing community is often unemployed and underemployed because so many companies overlook them, don't want to provide the access, but yet we'll have a DE&I team that sits and talks about issues that overlook the deaf and hard of hearing community. Our differences in our communication, that's a simple, simple thing to provide for and to, to accommodate. So Sinus Global, we're able to provide and open those doors so that the deaf community can become gainfully employed. Yeah, I know with my niece, I've spent a lot of time with some organizations that have looked to help hire people with disabilities because the unemployment rate is just terrible. Anyone with a disability, it, it can be very, very challenging um, to, to find employment. And so, John, that kind of leads me to my next question, which is about some of the specific services that you offer. If you could share those with us and tell us why they're important, that would be great. Definitely. So I would start with the training accessibility workshops. Those are important because we provide different topics that we speak on that will be beneficial for companies and industries to learn. For example, how to work with an interpreter. How do you successfully have a job interview with a deaf individual and there's an interpreter? There's different people in the room. Uh, what about the vocabulary? What about the language levels? How does that come into play? Sign language interpreters we provide. That's a service that is provided for companies to be able to use. To clarify, sign language interpreters does not limit itself to American Sign Language, ASL. We provide British Sign Language, French Sign Language. Again, every country has their own signed language and the interpreters who know that language. We have real-time captioning called CART. That means if there's someone who prefers to have not an interpreter or perhaps in conjunction with an interpreter, there's an individual in the meeting who, like a court reporter, will take notes and it shows up on like a laptop or a screen in the room that incorporates everything that's being said word for word. Huge companies with marketing, if they're able to post and oftentimes we'll see things on social media, uh, posts and videos and reels, there's no captioning added on to that. So it's spread out to social media, but it's inaccessible to those who can't hear. So being able to add that and consult and make sure that's on there or provide picture and picture interpretation or side by side with the video and the sign language interpreter as well. Those are what we provide. And so important Last but not least are the sign language classes of the communities where we are, not just American Sign Language only, but around the world. And how's this all been received? I mean, what's the reaction been to your company? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's been a very warm welcome. Um, it's been very enlightening. I'm able to come into a meeting and see the initial fear, the initial, you know, the shutdown. Oh, we're not interested. What is this? It's so much. And then slowly but surely their brains begin to open. They understand what the community is and what the community needs and how they're able to meet those needs. And so those barriers that have been up can fall down with our help. And the window opens up, the mind expands and people are very helpful and realizing that this does not take um, any type of 
super training. You do need training, but this is not something that you can't accomplish. There's no stupid questions. Ask, feel free to ask what you need to know. And people will make mistakes and we will be able to, to correct those and hopefully not make those again. Yeah, I, lo- I love to hear that. And, you know, it's, I'm so grateful to be able to have this conversation because I haven't been, you know, I haven't been able to hear so many stories like this, um, you know, until we met. I mean, I do have, um, I have a friend who I spoke with a bunch. Um, I do some sports writing and she was an athlete. She's a deaf athlete, um, actually a female football player, um, very talented um, young woman um, doing incredible things in leadership and athletics. Um, but, you know, another angle, like a personal angle to me, a window into this was her story because I remember um, there was a time when she applied to graduate schools, to business schools and law schools. And what you were saying about education and some of these barriers um, really reminded me of her story because I remember her telling me that when she went on a law school visit, you know, she had comments from people in the administration or some professors or whoever was giving the tour um, that they had no deaf students. Um, and it was a pretty big law school. Um, and so, you know, that, that seems, you know, that barrier in terms of accessibility and belonging and, and accommodations, um, it's almost surprising that, that we're here in 2023 and we're talking about, um, the need to make more progress in these education spaces and corporate spaces. Um, so I'm just wondering kind of your take on how big this problem is. Um, maybe why we haven't made more progress and kind of the best way to go about making more progress? That's an excellent question, Michael. Um, With that story, it's really important that we note the small steps that we can take. And fortunately, we have not, unfortunately, we have not made the huge strides that we need to have made. We are doing good. We're doing better, but we really need a shakeup in this world. It's very important. For example, I'll give you a personal story. You mentioned about uh, the law school. Did she ever, did your friend ever enter law school? Did she, what happened with that? She didn't actually. Oh no, see. Okay, wow. Hmm. I think from that perspective, that school, the administrators, they should have been more open and, and, hey, we don't have any deaf students, but we're glad you're here. What do you need? What? How can we accommodate you? You're coming to our space. We want to provide a warm welcome to you since you're. this is the first time. Oh, we've never done this before. We've never had this before. Sounds like the door was shut from the start. It wasn't a welcome. We haven't had this before, but we're glad you're here. Uh, there is... I was involved in a musical called The Hunchback of Notre Dame on Broadway. And there was that character, Quasimodo. He was deaf. And prior to me playing the role, he sung. He was always played by hearing people. And I would never buy a ticket to see that show. That wasn't something that I would have been into. But But at that time, I auditioned. And one of the notes said, oh, Quasimodo was originally a deaf character. So I said, well, let me go in the room. I couldn't have auditioned for this before. I'm not a singer, obviously. But I went in, I signed the song, I won the role. And so I was the first deaf actor to be involved into that in that production to this very day. That's since awesome. Then, since then, there have been other deaf actors who are involved in Broadway shows, but I was the only one in that entire show. 
So if you listen to the call, if you feel something, if you really think, you know what, no one else has ever done this, I would be the first. It doesn't seem welcoming, but let me go ahead and make the impact because then what you do is breakthrough from other generations. So sometimes it's up to you. And I I definitely empathize with her and with that experience. We as deaf people encounter that often. So that's not an easy, easy road to, to try to trailblaze. But another thing, one of the favorite stories of mine is that I was in a show in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. There was another deaf person who was in the cast, a very young person, very beautiful soul, this individual that I'm speaking of. And I felt that I really wanted to mentor them. I wanted to, I really wanted to provide them an experience to open them up to what the world could offer and not what we are limited to. So I shared my stories, my experiences, and her eyes lit up. And now she's doing the things that she loves to do in terms of acting. But it took someone else to reach out, to be supportive, to give her that push to go off the diving board. And so now she's had her wings and she's able to fly. Representation is important. Yeah, that's a great story. And John, I'm just, uh, again, amazed by all you've been able to accomplish. And I'm curious with your business, are there certain accomplishments that you've achieved to date that you're particularly proud of? Oh, my most prideful moment regarding this business is that I just was able to connect with a huge bank, a huge company and the higher ups in that industry. And we had a wonderful, productive meeting. And I'm really looking forward to more collaborations of that sort. Working with this particular bank, they do have deaf employees that work within their company in all levels of management. And I believe that experience was enlightening for them to not just see deaf people coming in and needing services, but a deaf person like myself coming in and providing those services. So I'm looking forward to diving in full speed ahead with this company and with so many of the other companies. There is such a gap that exists. And so being able to pour myself into that and plant the seeds and see them sprout is amazing. And the last thing is that I'm looking forward to, and with Sinus Global, is that having in-house interpreters to contract out. So I'm thrilled that we're able to provide more interpreting services through deaf interpreters, through hearing interpreters, and helping people be able to make a living doing what they love. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. And I, I'm curious too, you know, you've accomplished, as I mentioned so much. Do you have you set some goals for yourself, what you're looking to do next? Yeah, for sure. I just try to take it one day at a time, but I think within the next year or two, I'm hoping by that time that I just have a good, healthy relationship with those companies who are interested in investing in the deaf community, invested in learning more about what Science Global can offer as a partner and interested in not the quick fix, not the quick, yes, we apply the Band-Aid to the problem, but in the longevity that we can provide in helping the deaf community and how that will in turn help their businesses and their industries. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Rome was not built in a day. It is going to take time. It's going to take years to develop a stronger foundation and build from there. And I look forward to that. Yeah, that all all sounds like you're thinking about it the right way in terms of you know, building something really sustainable. And so that's really exciting and we're excited for you. Um, I wanted to ask on on the flip side, um, you know, about some of the challenges that the organization is facing, you know, what's, what's the toughest part 
about doing what you're doing and, and building something, you know, that, that can impact in the way that you really want to and, and growing it? What are some of those challenges? Uh, and also, you know, what, what can people who are out there listening to the podcast, you know, do to maybe help um, bridge some of those challenges? I think one thing that I've noticed is that people are very much interested in the quick fix, the cheapest, the lowest cost. And that's what they're looking for. Just the easiest, lowest cost way, not the best quality services, just something for a temporary to take care of it here and now. Mm -hmm. And so that means just, you know, they just want to pull in interpreters, just file interpreters in and that will take care of it. Put a warm body in the room, so to speak, oftentimes. So it's important to be intentional and reframing and providing quality over quantity. And we need to really go in and assess what the challenges are that they're facing with the thought of how can we make this a long-term, how can, how can we make this a long-term shift? How can I call them in instead of pointing the finger? What does quality look like? What does quality cost? We want to provide the best in services, but we don't want to provide, oftentimes these businesses don't want to provide quality services. They'll provide the best in services for certain things, but not for this. They think this is something that shouldn't, you know, is not really important to add to the budget. So we have to strategize in terms of how we partner and really, really teaching from the ground up. Yeah, I would imagine that it's uh, quite an endeavor to to get that educational piece in there and, and teach people. And it's kind of slow going at first. And, you know, given that, um, I was wondering, John, if you could, uh, Tell our listeners how they can find out more about you, your company, and more on this topic. Sure thing. You can go to our website, which is www.signesglobal.com, Signs Global. You'll find my name there. I'll have an Instagram and Facebook uh, that you're able to click off of the webpage. Awesome. Thank you. And and I do have a follow-up question for both you and Mike. I'm really curious, how did your past come to cross? How did you two meet? Yeah, so we uh I uh I met some of my brother's uh girlfriend, Kate, um, is just a wonderful person and we've become really good friends and uh and she introduced me to John. Um she's been she's always really thoughtful about making introductions to just awesome people. Um, so, you know, she knew about the work that, uh, you know, I was doing with, with this podcast and with the good men project and, you know, kind of our overlapping interests and, uh, and she made that connection and anything to add, John. <laughs> exactly right, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. You hit it right on the spot. And so, yeah, shout out to Kate for doing that. She's amazing. And really, again, thank you to both, you, Michael, and Lisa, for this podcast, for diving into this. And actually, I'm wondering if you don't mind. I'm new to this. So do you plan to add captions to the podcast? We would love to have the deaf and hard of hearing community able to access the podcast via captions. Yeah, I th- we'll, we'll get that done. We'll, uh, I'm sure we can do that through the service that we use. So we'll get that done. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. We'll make sure to do that. And thank you again so much for coming on. It was a great conversation. Um, And I think that's all we have time for for this week's episode. Um, So thank you, John. Thank you, Rory. And uh, Lisa and I will catch you you all next time on Inclusion Evolution. 
Thank you for listening to Inclusion Evolution. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the hosts and not of their respective law firms. Share your thoughts with us by emailing us at llmuller at casimerjones.com or mkasden at wigan.com.